podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, we're live. I think we are live, finally. We've had some technical issues this evening. My full apologies, even though it's absolutely nothing to do with Neil and myself, but we are here, the face of it now, having to face up to what producer Adam Bates has done this evening. So apologies, we're 45 minutes late. We're as upset as you are, but we're here now, and that's the main thing. This is a match preview as Villa take on Arsenal at Villa Park Saturday lunchtime. As I say, I'm joined by Neil to discuss just that. But before we get into it, Quick word for Luke Roper, our sponsors. If you use the code TVV20 at the checkout, you'll get 20% off everything Luke Roper have to offer, including the new Dapper Villain range, which is very, very nice. Neil, how are you? I feel like I haven't spoken to you for the for the last hour constantly without actually going on air. How are you? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm still as good as I was an hour ago, as you said, when we popped out. I'm pleased, pleased. Yeah, we did. We did start a show in all in all honesty, but no, no one we saw did. it. You just you just saw a black screen. One of the best intros there's ever been as well. So it was a shame that never made it on air. Now, how are you feeling ahead of the game on sat on Saturday? I don't know whether last night's result against Man City was good news or bad news. Um, I suppose really what I'm, I'm look you know me then I'm I'm probably optimistic to a fault at times. Yeah, I've never asked you how you feel about a game and you've not been looking forward to it, so you probably are <laughs> the wrong person to ask. Actually, <laughs> probably so. I I am terrified of Saka and Martinelli though. Uh, so we will get onto that in a moment. But um, one of the things that I've noticed about Arsenal over this, if you want to call it a four-game slump, and specifically I think last night, albeit that they were playing against one of the best teams in Europe, was that Arsenal are... They, I don't think they looked like... When they went 1-0 up and then they went 2-1 down, I never thought that they were going to come back into it. I never thought they were going to win 3-2, if that made sense. And, um, you know... the it's been a bit of a slip for them and they're going to need to get back up on the horse again uh, at the weekend. So that is a bit, that is a bit terrifying, but I think that with Unai Emery coming back to his old stamping ground and the fact that uh, he'll want to get a result there, I think that there is points in this for Aston Villa if we play our cards right, but obviously Arsenal are going to be huge favourites at the weekend. I've got a horrible feeling it's going to be like last season's game at Villa Park a little bit. We, we lost 1-0. It was a bit of a nothing yeah. game. Arsenal kind of played with, with the handbrake on a, a little bit first, second gear, and they were just comfortable. I remember Ben White having a very comfortable day mm-hmm. at centre-back. He was like a Rolls-Royce that day because he, he didn't really have to majorly do any defending about anything he did do. He dealt with comfortably, and Villa weren't great except for a late free kick. A horrible feeling it's going to be a little bit like that. On, on Saturday, a bit of a nothing game, and Arsenal nick it, nick it by the odd goal, we win one nil. I think. I don't know whether Thomas Partey will be fit at the at the weekend or not. Like but him not being there, I do, like he went off against Everton at nil nil. Suddenly he goes off. Jorginho comes onto the pitch. I'm not blaming Jorginho, but you know they go one nil down very shortly after. They missed him hugely last night in the Man City game. Thomas Partey does the job of of two people in in that midfield because he he breaks up the play. But he also very rarely gives the ball away, and he's technically astute. He's one touch passing the the way he moves the ball. He always look, looks forward as as well. He's just a real dynamic midfielder that can that can do a little bit of everything. He can even pop shots off from from long range. Actually, Thomas Partey, Georgina's a very good player. Won a lot in his career. He's a fine footballer, but they are not like for like. 
And that was always going to be the worry for Arsenal. If Party was missing, what would they do? And they've obviously signed someone to cover him. But he's not the same kind of player. Look at Villa's midfield. It's been a little bit off colour in the, in the last couple of games. But you do think if Kamara and Louise play to their, their full ability, Villa might actually win that midfield battle now if, if Party's not there. I think so. I think you're right. And I think that Arsenal have been doubly bitten with that injury bug in there because El Nenny was somebody who would have probably been the natural successor to Thomas Partey yeah. coming in there, you know, just from a physical stature point a, of view. A, a lighter but more similar version. So, like a, a yeah. party light, I would say. And, and what's a party light? Party mm. hard and party light. Party um, light. <laughs> but I, I, I would imagine that what will happen is that Granit Xhaka will probably go into that more enforcer role back where he's played previously, uh, maybe pushing somebody like Jorginho out uh, onto that left, onto that, um, into that eight role a small bit more. I think that's probably what ha- what will happen. But um, it is an area, I think, it even was, was mentioned today, Zubamendi is somebody that Arteta is, is, is apparently mad to sign from Real Sociedad. And that was, that to me would suggest that uh, shoring up that midfield uh, is something that he wants to do uh, next season as well, probably because, uh, as I say, he does notice that there is a gap when Thomas Partey isn't in that isn't in that midfield. But you mentioned about Kamara and Luis there as well. Um, it's been it's been an uncharacteristic based on what we've seen of, of Bubakar Kamara over since the start of the season. The last two games have been really uncharacteristic of him. Um, looked a step behind against Manchester City, but then again for the first twenty-five minutes, everybody in the team for the first first half, everybody in Aston Villa colours looked looked a step behind. And then against Leicester, obviously, um, he had those two incidents where whereby he didn't exactly positively infect, affect those two goals that Leicester scored. Um, so I think that we're going to see a a different man come out at the weekend. I think that this Arsenal team would suit him to play a small bit more. Um, the fact that I think that he he he's the 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 fact that they'll go through Odegaard an awful lot will suit him, and he's a better matchup for for somebody like a Bubakar Kamara than um than maybe a Riyad Mahrez or or even a Jack Grealish or or, or a Bernardo Silva or whoever um, Man City threw at him um the the, the last day. Uh, so I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how he plays against this Arsenal team because I think he suits this team better. And and lastly, you mentioned you mentioned that dour game. I remember that was on St. Patrick's weekend uh, last year. And um, I actually, the only reason I remember it is because Chris and my daughter, that the, that the day that that was on, and I was watching the game and and we were actually late for christening because we were watching it. And then afterwards, I was thinking to myself, I was going, how in why in the hell didn't I just get up after 10 minutes and just go and be on time for this bloody thing instead of being late for the christening to watch that dour affair? So, hopefully, it's not like that. Um, like, it's not like that the weekend and saying that I don't have anywhere to go, so I can't be late for anything if it is. I think I went out after that game, actually. I went went out into town with a, a bit of a Villa podcast mate with uh, my old man says and Villa on tour. We had a, we, we had a a day on the base after that game because it was a Saturday early kickoff again, so it's, it's exactly it the same this weekend. Yeah. We've had a taste of a three o'clock kickoff at, at home. The world didn't want us to have that. We're back to what we know: lunchtime Saturday. Didn't Villa suit Park. us then. We lost. Couldn't possibly couldn't possibly have a three pm kickoff at, at Villa Park again. We've had one now. That's your lot. That's over. Let's get back to what we do best. Yeah, I just I feel funny about it because in some ways you would think like we've really been facing Arsenal a few weeks ago. They were absolutely flying, weren't they? So I guess from that perspective. They're not, but there's part of me as well, and I know football does not work like this. I can't see them going forward without winning. That's the that, that, that's the point. I I, I might just can't, I can't see them doing it. I just 
I just think the, the midfield thing will be interesting because I do think if Party doesn't play, that's huge in, in the context of, of this game. I think there's actually a shout for them to play someone like Ben White mm. in, in midfield, perhaps because Tommy Asu played it right, but didn't get against Manchester City because they'd have still, if they could have signed Caicedo in January, they'd have got Caicedo and Jorginho. So that tells me Jorginho's not been bought as anything to do with yeah. Party because if they could have got Caicedo, they still would have done. They just sniffed an opportunity. With, with, with Georgina, but I cannot overstate. I mean, I've said it 50 times already. He is their most irreplaceable player. So if he's not there for Arsenal, that is huge in the in the context, context sorry, of, of the game for Villa. Something that does fill me with a little bit with confidence, actually, at the moment is Ollie Watkins, because I feel like he's, he's always scored well against the top top four, the top six on Ollie Watkins. He's got a good record against these teams. We're doing a show tomorrow, so I won't spoil the stat. But Ollie Watkins has scored, obviously, against Arsenal. You know, he's, he's, on, he's on a good run in front of goal at the moment. And these are the kind of games where he comes alive and he, do, he does seem to cause the better team's problems, I always think. Am I imagining that or is that something that's real? No, I think you're right. Uh, I think his movement, I think his... Uh... Like, like, what? Yeah, I won't get into that stat since you're gonna have Stato on tomorrow. But uh, he does have one of the better goal scoring records um, uh, amongst Aston Villa players since I think it's even since the Martin O'Neill era. You know, it's a, it's 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 a pretty crazy statistic. I think Gabby um, always used to do well in these kind of games. He did too, and Benteke well. used to do well in these games as well. You know, he used to pop up. So you know, that's a nice trait to have. And and I think Ali Watkins would be very much buoyed by this. By since Unai Emery has come in, he's played really well. That finish at the weekend against Man City was absolutely brilliant to go across. Well, it's a nice goal, isn't it? Yeah, really, really nice goal. And he's gotten the dirty ones to kind of get his confidence back up again. You know, like that one against Leicester, um, the one against uh, what he's had, he's the not not the assist against Spurs, should I say, where he had to really do the hard work, keep the ball in play, give it back to Bundia, and uh, and you know he had a goal contribution in that situation. There, he's he's coming along nicely under Unai Emery, and long may it continue because um, you know it's it's not been that often that we've had a Premier League striker get into double digits three years in a row. Um, you you go back to the halcyon days of uh, of um, uh, of Julian Georgian maybe and Dion Dublin and like you know uh, of Benteke uh, must have done it sure Benteke did I don't know did he do it three years in a row yeah he will have, he will have done yeah he will have done maybe he did I put my life, um, put my life on that I think I think uh, Gabby did it at the start of his career. But like you're talking that it's rarefied air, you know, when you'd have three player, uh, a striker to to get into double digits three years in a row, because strikers don't usually tend to stay around Aston Villa that long. No, they don't. And uh, as I say, he's seven goals already, I think, this season. So long may it continue that he keeps banging them in, and and if he can get to, if he can double that over the next few next few games or, ne- or the the remaining games, which would be absolutely brilliant for him. Um, I think that that would set us in good stead because he needs to. We need him to fire well, and whatever people's opinions are of him and and some of the misses that he might have one on one, we need him and we should support him. And uh, I'm very much Team Ali Watkins at the moment. Yeah, he scored different types of goals recently as well. You think that you know reacting to the rebound against Leicester, header from a set piece against Southampton, tidy finish against Manchester City on Sunday. You know, so he's scoring different types of goals at the moment, which again. He's an encouraging sign. I'm talking about Arsenal having a number five missing who's irreplaceable. If Tyrone Mings isn't playing on Saturday, yep. barely any point is turning up, really. Is that because when he doesn't play in that defence, Aston Villa don't win football matches? 
Nope. And he is he's a linchpin. And we saw it at the weekend. Um, look, it's very difficult for a player like Callum Chambers to come in out of the cold and to mark Erling Haaland. But what I would I wouldn't expect a player to come in and to make that header like he did for the second goal. You know, those that kind of lapse of judgment. We couldn't have it. Excuse me, we wouldn't be able to have that at the weekend. Um, I'm hoping more than anything else that the, the Tyrone Mings is back. And uh, I've said it on my own podcast numerous times. I was more, I was almost more upset that we didn't sign centre half cover after we let the likes of Bednarak go on. He's not tearing up trees, so I'm not saying he was the he's the missing link here. But when we didn't sign another centre half, I thought that that was the area that we were most in need of. Um, or one of the areas, should I say, that we're most in need of of uh, reinforcements. And uh, I think that we'll, uh, I'd still stand by it. I think we'll see complete another open heart surgery of that defence over the summer. Um, but at the weekend, we need Tyrone Mings and we need him to stay fit for the remainder of the season, to be honest. Yeah, go back if you haven't listened to it and listen to the 1874 podcast mm. on the interview because Greg and myself did about 10, 15 minutes on Tyrone Mings' future and obviously Greg's more in the know than the average man around that kind of thing. So he spoke a little bit about that. So go back and listen to that if you what haven't done so. What was the official so, line as to why he was out again? Just injured. Just injured. It wasn't specified what it was. I guess we'll find out more in the in the press conference tomorrow. There was a, a little video earlier of some of the players walking out for training. I don't think Mings was on there. That doesn't mean he's not playing because there was a few people not on there. But I don't remember Mings not I don't remember Mings being on that video when I when I watched it this morning or this afternoon, whenever I saw it. So yeah, fingers crossed he's back because we've just got a higher chance of winning a game if Tyrone Mings is in the defence. From what I've heard, I think Emery would have liked a centre back and would have signed a centre back had one been available who he thought was of the required quality, but there wasn't, so we didn't. So we move on with, with what we've got for the for the rest of the season. And again, like you said, I think it was something that will be looked at in 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 the summer. Team selection-wise, and a fair few players came off the bench against Manchester City and probably gave Emery something to think about. They put in a good performance, and Villa couldn't have been much worse than they were in the in the first half. But, you know, a few of them came on and made cameos. I'd be shocked if we didn't see at least two of those players that came on start mm. this game now. I think so, too. Um, I don't know who, though. McGinn and Coutinho. McGinn and Coutinho <laughs> I'd say, are the ones I'd say McGinn thinking. and Coutinho, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking, too. I think I think that freshens up our midfield. Our midfield has gone a bit stagnant. I think there's it's it's no coincidence that Luis and, and Camaro, we mentioned there, they've had maybe two off days in a row, but also the two wide midfielders didn't exactly help either of our full-backs in either of those two games. Um, I think McGinn coming back into the team is a massive addition. Gives you that bit of leadership up the field a small bit further forward. He's somebody to tell that armband so far this season. Mings comes back in, as we mentioned there. That gives you that small bit of leadership at the back as well with Emmy Martinez there. And it just rounds out that leader. Like missing those two guys is 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 big on the vocal um the, the vocal aspect of the game. Also, Philippe Coutinho is beginning to round off and come into his own again. Uh, we've had two good cameo appearances off the bench from him. Um, maybe he gets the start at the weekend. And if he does, um, I hope that he he's performing to the level that he has been. Because he's been industrious and he's been energetic. And, you know, we're beginning to see those little round-the-corner passes that he made him famous. Those lovely weighted passes. He made a lovely weighted pass to Alex Moreno in the second half against Manchester City. Right, I might come in as well, actually, might, might I? Exactly. And that's that, what that's I was going to say. That's what I'd be all for, to be honest. He might come in too as well. Yeah, yeah. And look, who's to say um, maybe Matty Cash doesn't come in at right back as well? You know, just against this, uh, this uh, against Saka um, or even Martinelli. You know, maybe they bring in a Matty Cash like that. Maybe 
two days against two big teams like that for an Ashley Young might be too much for him at 37 years of age. I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't. I'd keep Ashley Young in there if he's fit and if his numbers are good and if he's um, if he's not showing any signs of fatigue. But, you know, there's a lot of options still open too and I am really for this game at, at the weekend. Yeah, I think Marina probably makes sense just in terms of pace because he's the left back that's obviously further up the, further up the pitch out, out of the two fullbacks. If, if you know if Luca Dane gets caught high up the pitch and Saka's ahead of him, yeah. he's not getting back in. So yeah. if, and if Mings wasn't there as well, coming across and it's Chambers, you know, you're suddenly putting yourself in in all kinds of problems. I think Moreno, over the last couple of cameos, a bit a bit like Coutinho, has probably done enough to start now. I would say over Luca Dane. So actually, there could end up being three changes. There'll be people who want Durant to, to play as well after his his cameo, but there's no chance he's going to start. Again, against Arsenal, I, can't, I just can't see a world where that happens. But I still think he'll be—he'll come off the bench again, and he'll be useful because he looks lively when he comes off the bench. And maybe at the moment, that's that's his role, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that because you can make five subs. You can, you can have you can have John Duran come in and, and play for 15, 20 minutes, and it, and it will make an impact on the game. So I've no problem with him being on the bench and coming on because I think that's the way he probably should be used at the moment. It's, it seems in the comments, people want McGinn. I guess that would be McGinn for Ramsey, Coutinho for Wendy. I'm going to go with although. You may see a world where Bailey comes out and one of Buendia and Coutinho plays closer closer to Watkins, but maybe in a game where you're expecting to have less of the ball, you Bailey gets left in purely because of the pace in transition. Um, I don't think Leon Bailey, even if John Duran doesn't stack up top, I don't think Leon Bailey starts this game. I think he might go with like a Buendia. I think Buendia and Coutinho could start this game. Maybe he plays Buendia up top or he plays Coutinho beside uh, an Ali Watkins. He's done it before. Um, and I think he might do it again. I I think that, and it's not, look, sometimes it gets, we can be very, uh, our football fans in general, I'm not going to say we, because I personally don't feel I do it. Um, and I know you don't do it. And I know the majority of Aston Villa fans don't do it. But in the heat of the moment, sometimes what we can do is we can maybe be, um, maybe think, okay, this guy's had his chance. That's it. I'm done with him. Footballer, footballing players and, and their confidence and their ability is cyclical. And it's the really, really good guys that have that consistency. That's what makes them good. 90% of the good footballers in the world are really, they've, they're, they're no better than a lot of other players. They're just really good, really consistently good. And that, that's the difference here. Leon Bailey isn't there. I don't know will he ever get there. And I, I'm, I'm probably at the position now where I'd probably sit him for a game or two and have him as that impact sub so that he comes on. Um, and I'd be all for trying maybe a Buendia up top with Ali Watkins because I think we're still going to have to do an absolute shed load of defending in this game. Obviously, we're playing against a great Arsenal team. And I think we'll see the six at the back again at times this weekend. Um, and having an uh, having a Buendia up there who, yes, he doesn't have the latent pace of Leon Bailey. But at the moment, Leon Bailey's so low on confidence that he's running into defenders. And it's all well and good having that pace. But if you can't get past that man because maybe you're low on confidence or because maybe, uh, you know, things aren't going your way, then I think it's time to take you out, work on that confidence, bring you on as a sub, maybe get you a couple, 10, 15 minutes where things go right for you and build you up from there. Um, and I'd be all for that, I think, at the weekend. And it's not to say that Leon Bailey's a bad player. We paid 30 million for him. We may have gotten it wrong. We may have gotten it right. I think time will tell. Things aren't going right for him at the moment. But we have who we have between now and the end of the season. And I think maybe uh, starting that Buendia, maybe a Buendia or a Coutinho up beside um, Ali Watkins, I think would be 
would would be something I would be looking at at the weekend, um, just to try and shake it up a small bit because I don't think Bertrand Schroer is going to be right and ready. No, I take your point with with what you've said. You you know what you said makes sense. I, I just think he gets this game because I, I do think that we'll be we'll be in transition a lot, and I do think Emery will just think it's not Villa, Villa aren't blessed with a load of pace, and then by taking a pacey player out, it makes us even more one pace. I I just think he gets this game against Arsenal. I mean, to be fairness. Attacking the attacking the whole end in the first half like we have been it's probably yeah. 50, 50 whether he whether he scores or not in the first ten yeah. minutes because he's he's done That's that in quite quite a few of the big the big games now at Villa Park where we've attacked the whole ten first half and he scored within within the first ten so it'll be interesting to see if we do do that and we start that game but I think Emery got burnt a little bit in the last game against Leicester by trying to be that bit more expansive and maybe we weren't ready for it at all and like mm. I say got burnt letting some bad goals got caught in possession lost the game shipped four. I think maybe by getting burned in this game, it means we put in a little bit more of a the type of performance we put in away at Brighton, away at Spurs, but we try and do that at home maybe and sit in a little bit more. I've got the feeling we might see that at the weekend because I do think that Leicester game will be fresh in his mind that he, he yeah. kind of tried something different that day. And although we scored two and looked good going forward, at the back we were, we were all over the place and he won't want that to happen. And he definitely won't want it to happen against his old team in Arsenal because he's... He's got a point to prove himself at Emre He'll be upset with the way he was let go there. Didn't do a bad job at Arsenal by any nope. stretch of the imagination. I think Arsenal fans looking back now would say, yeah, actually, you know, he, he, he did do all right. Maybe he wasn't as bad as some some people said. He did do a lot of a lot of good there. He just maybe was the right manager at the right, at the wrong time, so to speak. So he'll want to win this game. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I really found, I, I really hoped that we'd get to this game actually, and they were they still hadn't lost because it felt like the perfect story. Well, they haven't lost for they haven't lost since September when they lost to when they lost to Manchester United. They're gunning for the league. Looks like they're going to do it, and then the manager that they let go beats the new man. Well, the newer manager. So I, I felt kind of good with that storyline that was developing, but that's been ripped away from me in the last two or three weeks. Neil, we're going to finish with your prediction. Then, what do you think the score will be on Saturday? I'm going to go with Aston Villa scoring one goal and Arsenal scoring one goal. Okay, I didn't I knew you wouldn't predict us to lose. <laughs> I am, I am going to predict us to lose. I just, I mean, I'm wrong half the, most of the time when I do predict us to lose. Actually, when I do predict us to lose, which again, like you, I don't do too often. We tend not to, so I'm doing it purely for that reason. But I've just got this weird nagging feeling inside of me that it's going to be very similar to last season's game, and I don't, I don't want it to be. But that's just a, the little feeling that that I've got there. So Neil, thanks ever so much for joining me tonight. I've been on with you for nearly two hours now, it feels like. I'm yawning here. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to stifle the light one. If, if anyone's wondering on the faces I've been pulling during this podcast. Yeah, it's a light I'm one. I'm trying to stifle on. Even you just saying the word you and I've had to just, just do the, the exact same thing. So <laughs> thanks to those that are with us and have joined us live and thanks to everyone that will tune in and watch as well. Be back at midday Friday for the AVFC Stato preview. I've seen the stats. There's plenty to chew through. As usual, so we're going through and we'll do that show tomorrow lunchtime. Um, yeah, thanks to Luke Roper for continuing to sponsor us. The code TVV20 gets you 20% off everything they have to offer. I thank Adam. I'm not sure what for, but I'm, but I'm thanking Adam, the producer, as well. Thanks ever so much for watching Up The Villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.